Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine, and this is episode 127. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host. This week, Alex spends time with Louis Hara, supper club host and author of new book, The Japanese Larder. Louis demystifies some classic Japanese ingredients and explores ways that home cooks can use them in both Asian and Western dishes, as well as discussing his love for a very British ingredient, Marmite. Hello, it's Alex here. So I recently had the delight of dining at Lewis Harris Supper Club and tried the likes of daikon fries and epic Marmite fried chicken, but we'll go into that more later. So I've met up with Lewis, banker turned cordon bleu trained supper club host extraordinaire and cookbook writer. So hello, Lewis. Good morning. <laughs> um, I interviewed Lewis back on episode 33 a couple of years ago about Nikkei cuisine, which is a cross between Japanese and South American Brazilian that became popular with Japanese immigrants in South America. But today it's all about Japanese cuisine, as Lewis has just released a new book called The Japanese Larder, and its goal is to demystify core Japanese ingredients. So we're going to do a bit of demystifying as a little taster, aren't we, Lewis? We are. Um, so let's pick out some of the more unique ingredients in the traditional Japanese larder. Um, I'd like to start right at the end of the alphabet with yuzu. So <laughs> I remember I used to work in um, product development at Marks & Spencer and the citrus buyer um, brought in this strange little thing into the office one day and no one had ever heard of it before. And it was such a treat to see everyone trying it and what they made of the 
made of the yuzu because it's like creamy yet floral and really citrusy. Um, and since then, that was five, five, six, seven years ago, and yuzu has become much more commonplace in menus on Japanese menus over the past five years. Lewis, how would you describe this unique flavour and texture of the yuzu? Yuzu is indeed a really unique fruit, I think, citrus fruit. Um, for me, it kind of tastes like a cross between tangerine, uh, lime and orange all, all in one. And it, and I think it's the aroma and the smell that's just wonderful, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's really um, unusual. And even in Japan, it's a very interesting fruit because it's only um, it's only seasoned for a couple of months between November and January. And um, and it takes years and years to actually bear fruit. So, yeah, oh, okay. so there is even an expression that goes on to say that um, you've got to be really patient, like a user tree, something like that. Oh, so Because sweet. it takes, like, years. If you're lucky, to get any fruit out of a tree. Oh, gosh. But, uh, yes. So where and, do um, they grow, yuzu trees? Um, throughout Japan. But they're, like, um, quite uh, popular in Kyoto, in Kansai region, um, especially because of the style of cooking that uh, is developed in that region. But, um, you know, it's, in, it's an interesting fruit also because you can use everything from it um especially the 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 rind you know the rind is wonderful and um you know you can just like shave it a little bit on top of dishes you just get that really wonderful aroma or you can do like candied um kind of rind or um just really everything you can use and the juice as well so um here in the uk it's very rare that you can find fresh user fruit uh, but um, uh, usually you, you see them in like in bottles, in fruit uh, juice juice bottles. And if you do buy it, make sure that you're getting 100% fr- uh, juice. Because sometimes you see it as like uh, juice plus vinegar and other stuff. But oh, you know, see. just make sure that you're ha- getting 100% juice. Okay, yeah, that's that's definitely a good yeah. tip because it's probably going to taste the vinegar's rich. Yeah, such exactly. A delicate fruit that Absolutely, yes, yes, and it's it? um, it's a wonderful thing. So you can add it to dressings. I love it as a as a Use a pon's dressing, use a pon, we call it, or um, or you can add to um, to uh, desserts. Um, you can make you know, all kinds of things with it. It's wonderful. And, <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. Yeah, mine as well. It's just so unusual, and, and anything with yuzu in it, I'm really excited. So when when you said that we were having a yuzu dessert at your sub club, I was very happy. Can oh, you can you tell great. our readers? Okay, a so bit this about one that? is like um, <laughs> okay. So um, so with the Japanese lager, what I try to do is like bring in all these Japanese ingredients and try to make it um, kind of uh, easy for people to use and not, uh, no, 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 uh, no scary recipes, if you see what I mean. So this user recipe is like a, a user posset. So I use a cream with uh, plums or rhubarb, which I poached in van- with vanilla um, and uh, a pistachio crumble on top. So it's quite a simple and easy recipe. All, all elements you can make well in advance and just put together at the last minute oh, before you serve it. Like yes, yes. <laughs> that's my kind of dessert. And do, to make the yuzu cream, did you use yuzu juice? Or? So yuzu juice, yes. Yeah. So um, in fact, it's half yuzu because yuzu on its own would have been too strong. So it's actually half yuzu juice and half lemon juice okay. yes and um and it's super easy it's like making a posset a lemon posset mm-hmm. so cream and sugar um cook it you've got to cook for about three minutes after it comes to boil and um, and then you take off the heat add the juices and stir it and the instantly is going to kind of um thicken it Okay, so then you just put it in, in, in glasses and um, and that's it. And just put it in your fridge. Yeah, that's amazing. It's so easy. And the um, the flesh of the yuzu is really mm. unusual. It's really creamy, isn't it? But almost... Mm-hmm. 
fluffy. Yes. Do you know what yeah, I mean? How, yes. Do you use that in anything or is that just to be eaten? So we do, yes, basically, well, it's very, very strong. It's very, um, the, the actual flesh is actually quite, um, um, quite acidic, quite bitter. Mm-hmm. So basically what we use is mainly the juice, um, the juice and, and the rind, yeah. Okay, cool. So you just eat the, you probably just eat the flesh. Just, I know, exactly. Um, <laughs> yes. And um, so let's explore something a little less heard of. Mm-hmm. So koji, I think you mm-hmm. wanted to Koji, speak yes. So koji is, is an incredible ingredient, okay? And it has been a renaissance, even in Japan. It's been around for hundreds of years. But um, and it's now like in the last like five ten years, it's kind of like gone incredibly popular again in Japan. So it's, in, it's a fermented ingredient, um, 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 rice uh, grains that's been inoculated with a kind of fungus, which um, Ooh, sounds delicious. Yeah, sounds really <laughs> no, interesting, it isn't really it? Is. <laughs> and uh, but it's actually it's amazing, and um, it's. It's pure umami and it's like natural MSG on a plate. It's just really wonderful. And what it does, um, the bacteria um, kind of breaks down the protein of, of and then also uh, turns starch into sugars. So it makes any chicken super tender, um, full of flavor. And it just helps to caramelize as well because of the sugars. It's just basically a wonderful, um, a wonderful ingredient. And again, you can use it on a host of different dishes. So I kind of love using it um, as an ingredient in sauces. Um, so um, in the last supper club I had now, I, I, I made um, a, a roast uh, beef and I made a, a sauce with um, a shoyu koji. So the two types of koji, in, uh, there are actually more, but the most, the two most popular are either shio koji, which is white koji, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is rice and, and this bacteria and, and plenty of salt. And also um, shoyu koji, which is made with um, soy sauce, shoyu soy sauce. So the one I use for the beef is uh, shoyu koji. And I added some garlic, olive oil and lime. Mm. So um, it was kind of zingy with a little bit of flavor because of the garlic. And I used that as a dressing on top of the roast um, picanha beef. Oh, that was yes. delicious. Oh, we, so I much. had that as well. It was amazing. <laughs> yes. But the other thing you can do, as I was just saying about chicken, you can roast chicken as well. So you can do a marinade um, with... Um, a garlic and some essential pepper and marinate chicken or a whole chicken with it and leave it for a day or two in your fridge and then just roast it because it will make the the, the meat so so tender and delicious yeah we we actually have a, a roast koji roast chicken oh, recipe yes, on amazing. our website and it is so succulent and soft it's incredible and yeah i i didn't know anything about koji at the time and um our cookery writer was was telling me all about it and it's yeah it's fascinating because you wouldn't it doesn't sound like it's going to make something that delicious with yes. all of those you know words like the bacteria and yeah, the, the and it's really and... friendly. Well, it's it's really good for you as well in terms of like helping your digest, digestion and stuff like Absolutely, that. So it's really yeah. really lovely because as all like fermented yes. things are. So yes. yeah, get a bit more of that in our diet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you spoke about the the pecanha beef. Oh, the pecanha beef, yes. Um, and when we were at your supper club, you actually served this with daikon fries. Mm. <laughs> so, so steak and chips. <laughs> yes, it was. It was like a Japanese steak and chips and it was, they were absolutely delicious. Um, and this is actually a very unique 
Japanese vegetable, isn't it? Daikon. It is. I think daikon is one of. Um, I think it is. It is the the most important Japanese vegetable, and um, I find it's kind of sad that we don't kind of get it very much in the UK. But um, it's a great vegetable. It's a huge kind of white white carrot i would say in <laughs> shape um and um so used a lot in japanese cooking but also in chinese cooking um i don't know if you if you ever tried in on uh, dim sum lunches you know the the daikon um pancakes there's like um oh no i haven't oh God, yes they're wonderful they're really really like grated and then kind of uh, steamed and fried it's delicious usually with meats inside so is it like a a fritter, or it's like a, is it's it a like pancake a with the daikon inside? Like, no, no, it's like a fritter. So it's grated, yeah, like yeah, rusty almost. Yes, yes, it's um, it's called uh, it's a reddish reddish cake. I think it's called reddish cake on 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 dim sum menus. I really recommend it. Oh. So it's a wonderful way of eating daikon, but also another wonderful way is the daikon fries. Okay, which is um, super easy to make. It's one of the recipes of the Japanese larder. Um, basically. You cut up, you peel off a daikon, cut into chunks like chips, and and you um, marinate it for about 15, 20 minutes in soy sauce and garlic. Okay, that's easy. And then you leave it that marinating, you drain off the marinade, and then you lightly coat in potato starch or corn flour and deep fry it. It's great. It's just and like so easy. And it's just like... Right, daikon fries are just so good. And also, daikon's a, a vegetable, so they're healthy. I know, in theory. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so can you just talk a little bit more about daikon in what the, the taste and the texture of the, the raw vegetable? Would you ever eat it raw? Oh, of course, absolutely. Too- I think I also served another dish um, at the supper club, the yasai no gebitashi, which is the very traditional Japanese dish of deep-fried vegetables. Um, and one of the elements of that dish is grated daikon, which we call oh, of course, yes, yes, which we call oroshi uh, in Japanese, uh, which is usually used to give flavour and, and texture to sauces. So I grated some daikon, fresh daikon, and I used it, uh, and I served that with the sauce. So you, you guys are supposed to mix that into the sauce mm. to give flavour and texture. Uh, that's also used with tempura. I don't know if you ever noticed, like a little yes, mound of, of something, the tempura bowls. Yes, that's what it is. Because it's so finely grated that it's really soft. Sometimes I mistake it for ginger because yeah, it looks a yeah, little absolutely. bit like It looks ginger. very much like that. Also, it's really lovely when you, if, you, if you put like a, a whole red chilli inside a daikon and then you grate it with the red chilli as oh, well. Wow. So you get daikon and red chillies as well, all into one. That's it's cool. just really lovely So you too. just put it in the middle? Yeah, yeah, just make a hole and just ah, like stuff it cool. in. <laughs> very, very unique. Um, so... In your book, you obviously you go through all of these amazing ingredients and you tell people how they can use these at home and, you know, makes it a bit more accessible. But also you talk about ancient and modern Japanese cooking techniques. Mm-hmm. And um, I really like how you focus on less chefy techniques and more, as I was saying, accessible yes. um, methods. So can you share some of these with us, some tips for cooking sure. at home? Yeah, so with with the Japanese lather, so I, what I really try to get people to do is to, you know, to be interested or encouraged to try these ingredients and uh, using them in a way that's um, accessible and easy. And you know, it, it's a book. For, it's, it's a book. You know, written for the home for the home cook. Um, so there is no sous vide or anything like that, or spuma or anything <laughs> like that. Oh my goodness, no. So, um, but you know, Japanese. There's um, certain 
particularities, particular yeah. peculiarities. Pe- uh, pe- yes. Peculiarities. Peculiarities. Yeah. Yes, about Japanese cooking. Okay, or so one of the things. Yes, <laughs> I know it's a tongue twister. <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, one thing I can think of about Japanese cooking that's interesting is that. Um, as you as you know, we, we don't use uh, uh, knives and forks, so we use chopsticks. Mm-hmm. So whenever we're prepping ingredients, we need to make sure that they are easy to eat. So, oh, um, you know, even though I love having a huge steak, you know, it, it wouldn't very, be very easy to eat that with um, with a chopstick. So, you know, when I serve the beef, I thinly slice the beef. So, you know, um, and cut them into thin, thin slices, more bite-sized pieces, so that it would be easy for people to eat. With the vegetables, I was just talking about, about now with the asainogebitashi, one technique that we use with um, the aubergines is um, we cut them in bite-sized pieces, but we also cut through them through the flesh inside the the aubergine, because it, when deep frying it, it would cook. It will make it will help it to cook it much quicker, but also it will be much easier to you know to to bite into it using just um, uh, your chopsticks, you know, they will just come apart very, very, very easily. So that's the one thing to remember. And I always have like chefs helping me uh, with the food prep and I always have to kind of keep an eye because people forget <laughs> that. It's just, and this it's, it's not terribly elegant if you like, on a date and you know, Japanese <laughs> rest, they have a huge piece of aubergine to, to, to tackle. It's just not fun, is it? <laughs> yeah, you don't want to have to be the person to ask for a knife and fork. I know, exactly. So occasionally I am. The, the, it's very frustrating because I absolutely love Japanese food. It's my favourite food, oh, along right. with Vietnamese. Amazing. And they are both very much chopstick-driven Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> foods. And even when I was in Vietnam, there was um, I went for lunch on my own and there was two businessmen having lunch and they were <laughs> they tried to teach me how to use chopsticks and they were laughing at me a lot because I just can't do it. I don't know why. Um, so, yeah, maybe next time we meet, you can give me a oh, tutorial. Right. <laughs> yeah. But um, speaking of which... Um, I know there's different ways of serving Japanese food and at your subclubs you use some really great uh, ways of serving your food um, including there was a beautiful last time when we had the the pecanha beef we had uh, the edamame rice in this beautiful oh. red pots um and nice. but then also the time before where actually when in your Nikkei um Nikkei supper club we actually had a clay pot fish mm-hmm. with oh, rice yes, yes. and that was stunning. So oh. can you talk about how you so prepared the, that? Sure. So the clay pot is called an, an onabe, which we use to cook various things, but um, also um, um, kind of um, um, kind of um, sharing dishes um, in Japanese cooking. There are very few dishes are sharing dishes in, the, in that style of cooking, but... Uh, Onabe is one of them, um, and um, so the, the particular dish you're talking about is the the, the sea brim rice with the yuzu yes. dressing, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yuzu again! There we go. <laughs> I, I love yuzu, <laughs> and uh, so it's a, I love cooking clay pot. And I think it kind of like I don't know. There's kind of like a homely, homey kind of like, you know, feel to it that um, I think adds to the experience. And I think it's um, with, as with everything, presentation is very important. And um, and there's just something so beautiful and so um, honest and delicious about clay pot. You know, clay pot cooking. I just I use it as much as I can. Yes. And do you um, just so I actually don't know anything about clay pot cooking do you is it like a tagine do you cook 
it in put it in the oven or do you no yes, you can go on on the stove yeah okay yeah so basically for the rice i cooked on 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 the stove yeah so i can go in the oven as well by all means but um yeah it's like a, a normal pan yeah. Okay, and then yeah. you just serve it as it is. And yeah, like yeah, yeah. So and that's the the beauty of it. So um, yeah, so you can serve it as a serving platter as well. Same and do dish. you get the sticky rice on the bottom or? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's a, we that's, fight over it. Yes, it's like a paella. It's almost, almost understood that sticky bit. <laughs> a lot of people don't get it, but you know, in oh, all Asian homes, bit. it's the best bit because you get the concentration of flavor, the caramel mm. caramelization, and all that is delicious. Oh wow! Um, and any any other Japanese cooking techniques? that we can use in our cooking at home? They're very different techniques, okay? So, for instance, um, to make dashi, which is our primary stock, oh, yes. okay, it doesn't take long, as you as you know, like, so um, it's, in 20, 30 minutes, you can have a fantastic quality stock. And like uh, French oh, really? stock... Which, that's not very long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, basically, that's the thing about Japanese cooking. Everything, all the hard work has been done for you. So, basically, we do our stock, um, like dashi, um, with um, katsuboshi flakes and kombu. Katsuboshi flakes are bonito flakes, which ah. have been dried again with another fungus, which dries out all the all the humidity of the fish, so it goes bone dry, okay? So then what we do, we shave it off very, very thinly to make stock out of that. We also add some kelp, which is kombu, and kombu mm. has the highest um, amount of um, of glutamate, uh, which is the a complex amino acid, which gives umami. Okay, ah, yes, and so, that's like a seaweed, isn't it? Yeah, so um, kombu of... is is dried kelp. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's the it's, a, it's like a type of seaweed, mm-hmm. a really kind of thick black one. So those two ingredients are the main ingredients for dashi. All the work has already been done. They've been dried out and and because of that, there's so much flavor in them already. Okay, the analogy I make is that with, with French stocks, to obtain the same amount of flavor and intensity, you need to roast bones, they need to yeah, cook off that stock for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and you still, you, you do get, wonder, you can get wonderful stock, but you know, you need to put on, uh, put in a lot of hours in there. Whereas with Japanese cooking, that's not the same. You know, you, you're already starting off with ingredients that have already a, a lot of flavor. So, um, yeah, so that's the the one thing. So I, uh, dashi is, is um, I think, making dashi and cooking rice properly are two important techniques that every, if you're attempting Japanese cooking at any level, you know, get those two things right. Mm-hmm. And um, you like 50% of, of it's already done for you, I think, your job. Yes. Right, I need to get my dashi skills um, honed in. So maybe I'll try. Is there a dashi recipe in your book? Oh, yes, yes. Of There's a, a, a few dashi recipes in the book. <laughs> but one thing that I came across recently in, um, in Japan is dashi tea bags. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I know exactly. So basically, okay, it's a bit of a faff to, to make the dash at home. Okay, it takes 20 minutes, but you need to kind of like put a kombu, take it out just before it boils, and then you put the, the katsuboshi flakes. There is a little bit of like a sequence that you have to follow. But... Now, the latest thing in Japan are those infusion, dashi infusion bags, which you can actually get in the UK as well, which takes away all the hassle so from it. So it's like a stock cube, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's not, it's not a cube. It's basically, it's all it those ingredients, yeah, in a, in, a, in, a, in a tea bag that you add to water 
and you leave it there for like five minutes and you take it out and just that's it that's bizarre and it's so just wonderful because would you drink that or is that just to make so the dashi no, base th- that makes the stock this, that's just the stock so basically that's really cool and also what they do you can add things they the ones you get, get in Japan, which I've actually seen in the UK as well, have also shiitake, dried shiitake mushrooms inside. Oh, wow. Um, dried, other types of dried fish, uh, dried um, seaweed, kombu and seaweed as well. So basically you get um, more complex flavours. It's just wonderful. And that's the thing I'm using now. Wow. It is just so easy. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like a, a posh Japanese pot noodle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hate to say it. I couldn't have put any better, Alex. <laughs> So in our November issue, um, you very kindly shared some of your recipes from the Japanese larder and they'll be available on olivemagazine.com by the time you're listening to this, which is great. Um, But one thing that I want to talk about and one of the recipes that I also had at your supper club was the Marmite chicken. So I'm going to let you talk as I run the risk of lots of expletives because... It was, it's one of the best. I love fried chicken and this is one of the best I've had. So um, what's the secret? Oh, I'm so glad you like that. Thanks so much, Alex. I love it. <laughs> okay, so, um, the, the, okay, Marmite is a wonderful ingredient. I love it so much. But the 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 thing here is, is also about the soy sauce and how soy sauce lends itself so well to so many different um, ingredients, okay? So Marmite being one of them. And is this, uh, the recipe is super easy, my goodness. You couldn't be, couldn't be simpler. <laughs> it's basically Marmite and soy sauce and that's that. Great. <laughs> I'm, and, sure there's, uh, I'm sure there's some kind of skill to it. No, no, really. It's just so easy. And it's basically, it's, uh, um, I, uh, chicken thigh, which I prefer over, over breast, it's kind of got a little bit more moisture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I kind of uh, marinate in a little bit of soy sauce and garlic for like half an hour, and then um, and then I coat it in potato starch or corn flour and deep fry it, and then I make. Um, in the meantime, I make um, a, a dressing of um, marmite and soy sauce, which I reduce slightly, and I coat that with a fried chicken. Oh, great! And it's really, really simple, and it's so simple. it's like, a, and it gets a lot of like flavor because of the marmite and soy sauce. Absolutely, very umami. Yes, and um, but as I was just saying, soy sauce is a great ingredient. It goes so well with marmite uh, for this particular dish, but also you can use other other. I'm terribly sorry about that. That's all right. Other, you can use other. Um, um, ingredients as well. So, like, so I love um, soy sauce and balsamic vinegar uh, with mackerel. Ooh. Yeah, so you, you get that really kind of sharpness and the sweetness of the balsamic vinegar with a kind of fatty um, mackerel. Um, the other thing that I love is like soy sauce and butter. And it goes so well oh, with wow. steak. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. So, that because that, the, the really sharp like the soy sauce and like um, yeah that cuts the through creaminess, the creaminess exactly exactly of the butter that works so well the other thing that works really well is um oh i think you might have tried that one as well so it's the um soy, soy, soy sauce and maple syrup ah. so maple and soy um salmon oh okay. yes, yes that which is delicious. that works so well as well so, so how would would you make like a marinade out of so, this <laughs> so, so soy sauce and maple syrup put together equal quantities and um and i marinate the salmon like 24 hours 
Oh, a whole side of salmon. Yeah. And you just grill it. And Amazing. I served that with asparagus and shimeji mushrooms. Yeah, that was delicious. So, yeah, that's the thing, the amazing thing about soy sauce because I think a lot of um, particularly Western people think that you just kind of add it to, you know, a broth to give it more flavour or stir fry or maybe put it, you know, to make sushi have more flavour. But actually, I know in Japan you don't use... If it's really, really good quality sushi, you shouldn't need soy sauce, should you? No, um, you shouldn't really. I mean, um, I'm kind of um, I, I'm kind of the person that say, well, if you want to use whatever you want to use, you know, go yeah. go for it. But you know, in my supper club, I stopped putting soy sauce on the table. I've seen people like drown in my food in soy sauce. You think, oh my god, you know, it's going to be too salty like now. Salt, yeah, exactly. Really. And yes, so, that's going to be delicious because it's so it's got that umami. And, yeah, you know. so it has to be used. But it has, you know, you know, for instance, with um, the maple syrup, you need soy sauce is very it's full of umami. And it's got a lot a lot of salt in it as well. So you need to be able to 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 balance it out with other ingredients. So balsamic vinegar or butter or or um, maple syrup. In, Jap- in Japanese cooking, we use mirin, which is sweetened sake. Oh, yes. yes. I really like mirin. So, but we can use, in Western cooking, we can incorporate with other ingredients as well. So, and achieve a similar effect. Mm. So, with mirin, um, you can buy that in stores in England You now. can, easily, um, yes, you can. And how would you use that in cooking? Uh, so, mirin is, is, is sweetened sake. It's quite a, mm. um, a syrupy... Um, High alcohol, like it's about 14, 15% alcohol. And, um, but if for people who don't like alcohol uh, in that cooking, I have a lot of people for religious reasons who don't, mm-hmm. you can actually substitute with sugar. It's, it's not the same, it's not the same um, result because you do get um, um, better caramelization and, and you know, better Mayard reaction with um, with mirin than you would with sugar. But um, I find that honey, maple syrup mm. um, work quite well as, 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 a, as an alternative. Honey and soy sauce, I quite often... Um, yes, it's a wonderful thing. Like it works salmon. really well. Absolutely, yeah. yes, yes. It's really easy, just and a little it, it is just wonderful, yeah. I love this the taste of honey as well. Yeah, me too. So I think there's so many ingredients we could talk about, but I don't think we have enough time. But um, you can explore more um, Japanese ingredients in Lewis's book. It's called The Japanese Larder, and you can buy it from Amazon. Amazon, yes, that's correct. Yeah, or you can also pick up the November issue to try some of the recipes that Lewis has shared with us very kindly, including that unbelievable marmite chicken (laughs) which i'm very pleased about so i'm gonna go and make that at some point but um thanks so much for talking to us and sharing some insight into japanese thank you for having me yeah and i'll see you again also you can make sure you check out what's your website um the londonfoodie.co.uk yeah because i really encourage listeners to um attend the supper (laughs) club because they're really really special occasions and everybody sits round and has an amazing evening and you bring your own wine it's a really nice chance to try some wines that you might not be able to um, afford in a restaurant Absolutely. and um, try Nikkei cuisine or Japanese cooking and also there's sometimes guest chefs and they do Italian and all sorts so yeah I very uh, much encourage you to check that out so thanks a lot thank you Alex for having me so that was the Olive Magazine podcast if you like this episode please head over to iTunes and leave a review we'd love to hear from you if you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode you can visit our website olivemagazine.com 
You can pick up a copy of our November issue with those brilliant Japanese recipes in there, or go download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. 